All right, this is Janelle, and I'm here at the Q Christian Fellowship Conference, formerly known as the Gay Christian Network Conference, and I'm with Jen, and she's going to answer a couple on-the-street questions with us. So, what is your favorite brew or beverage? That would have to be Bell's Kalamazoo Stout from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay, my friend from Kalamazoo on my Facebook is going to be so jealous, (laughs) because she loves Bell's all the way. Bell's is fantastic. Yeah. What about your favorite theologian? That really varies. Um, It changes from time to time, but any theologian who will challenge what is traditionally and culturally accepted as correct or what theology should be. All right. So pushing the boundaries. Pushing the boundaries, absolutely. Creating space for more people. Yes. Anything that opens more space at the table, I am all for. Love it. And what do you think is the most pressing issue for the church in today's world? How to relate to the world around us and our society without losing our identity, but also not clinging to our identity so tightly that we alienate those around us. That's awesome. I think I'm going to make quotes out of these statements and put them on the website, okay? Okay. All right, cool. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is Janelle. I'm here with Ben, and we are, I'm asking him, what is his favorite beverage? I would say the Peach Tranquility Tea at Starbucks with half-steamed lemonade and three packets of honey. That sounds (laughs) awesome. It's good for curing sicknesses. I love that. (laughs) Very cool. Who is your favorite theologian? I would say Richard Rohr. All right, why? Um... I've read two, two of his books, and it's just, like, so thought-provoking. I have to, like, read things multiple times before I understand it, and just different ways of thinking of things, and I really awesome. love that. That's great. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest issue the church is facing in today's world? I would say their biggest issue is compassion. I love it. Do you want to say a little more, or is that it? Um, let me think. I just noticed in my walk that they, I noticed that Jesus was always moved to compassion and that church and religion is often not moved towards compassion. They're moved to following rules and sticking with what they believe then towards compassion. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. (laughs) This is Janelle and I'm here with Deb and she's going to tell us what her favorite brew or beverage is. Well, you know, I'm an IPA girl. All right. I grew fine. up. I grew up around uncles who drank Budweiser, and I could never understand why they would drink that. <laughs> yeah, and we so, don't know. And so I never drank until uh, 2007. I went to England and had a Guinness and a Murphy Stout, and, I, and then I was converted. And so I've worked my way down, and now I can drink anything but Bud. All right, all right. I'm, I'm not a huge IPA fan, but everything else is I'm game for. I know, okay. But cheap beer, like I came oh. to this late as well, so I'm like, why would why would you drink cheap beer? I know, right? It doesn't make sense to me. I know, but I know. No offense, everybody. But, you know, beer is older than wine. Did you know that? Uh, I don't know that I did, actually. Yeah, I'm, it's a fact that few people know. All right, well, we're helping live the dream right here. Exactly, yeah, baby. What is your, who's your favorite theologian? Current or past? Oh, give me one of each. Uh, I'm a, well, I love Richard Rohr. Okay. We've, his name has come up already. Yeah. I, you know, I get his daily devotionals. He's just meant so much to me. Awesome. Um, and, and he's big into spirituality for the two halves of life. And so 
um, that's been a great book and idea to read that. Okay. Um, can't remember the title at the moment, but uh, and of course Rob Bell. Okay. You know, and yeah. I'm just and Brian McLaren, all these guys that are in the the, the emergent church movement, which is just really exciting. Cool. Um, and what do you think the biggest challenge for the church is today? I think the biggest challenge is that we've got to um, realize that our faith is progressive and that you can't pick a time in history and go, that's when we had the whole revelation. It should be unfolding. God reveals himself, over her, himself herself over time right? and only to the point that we can handle. And so what's happening right now is really exciting because like every 500 years, Phyllis Tickle yep. talks about the idea of, you know, there's a big uh, rummage sale. And yep. so right now we just last, you know, recently um, experienced the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Right. So we are in a prime time for change. And it's exciting, but, it you know, a lot of people are going to resist it. But yeah. there's always resistance to change. But I think it's just it's just fantastic. And, and we need a faith that's defined by love as opposed to judgment and rules and a bunch of other silly things. Absolutely. So Deb mentioned to me that she has a podcast. Would you like to tell us about that? I do. It's called Get Control of Your Life. Okay. So we have a website, getcontrolofyourlife.org. And then the podcast is available uh, through iTunes and Stitcher okay. and the website. So, And what do you talk about on that? We talk about um, mostly the podcast is about uh, personal development and spirituality. Okay. But the, uh, the general uh, overview of the whole initiative, which includes a couple hundred articles on the website, okay. is um, career, money, okay. health, health and fitness, personal development, relationships, and spirituality. And do you also do some seminars that people come to? No. No? But, okay. I, but I do. I mean, I teach, I teach college, so okay. I do this other stuff on the side. Cool. I teach public speaking. I certainly have done a lot of awesome. public speaking in, uh, in churches and all over the world. I traveled the world for years. Uh, Very cool. Teaching, teaching and producing videos for nonprofits. Well, we're going to have to check that out. And, and uh, listeners, I hope you will too. So thank you for joining us. Awesome. Thanks. All right. This is Janelle, and I'm here with Nick Elio from Denver Community Church. And I'm going to ask him a couple questions, and he's going to tell us about his new book. Absolutely. So, what is your favorite brew or beverage of choice? Oh, man. Uh, brew, uh, as a Denver guy, we have lots of incredible breweries. Yes, we do. And uh, I'm a bit of a hophead, so a, a killer IPA uh, always does it for me. But I'm also a big wine guy, actually. Okay. So, I get down on, on some, some vino. My wife is an incredible... Uh, she's learned a lot about uh, wine and beverages in, in her field, and so... Um, that's a that's a big fan favorite red or of mine. White? Usually red, but I love I love white as well. A lot of okay. people think a lot of people are afraid of like white because they think like their mom's boxed white Zinfandel, and there's so much really great wine white wine out there. So awesome, thanks. Uh, who is your favorite theologian? If you can narrow it down. Oh man, um, I would probably go with. I mean, one of the most influential books in my life was Dallas Willard's Divine Conspiracy. Okay. And um, I think that book, um, I mean, it changed the way I understand. Uh, Jesus and God and all, all sorts of things and I think um, I think I gotta go Willard alright cool and uh, what do you think is one of the biggest issues facing the church in today's world um, I'm I feel encouraged by the church um, 
generally. Um, I think we have. I think sometimes we have a PR problem. I think some of the loudest voices in the room can be some of the most negative. And um, I think sometimes if we're sitting around watching network TV, um, no, no matter what, if, you know, if you're more of a CNN person versus a Fox News person, either way, sometimes I'm like, man, these people are not representing like the the Jesus following yeah. people that I know. Um, and and it, you want to like just sort of figure out you could just jump into that conversation and and change the change the tone a little bit. Um, I also think that consistency is an issue. I think um, the church is not very consistent. I mean, even just being here at, at the Gay Christian Network um, conference, that for some reason the church and evangelicals have made a really big deal about homosexuality. And then people outside the church, and I think younger generations, see, see us not making a big deal about all sorts of things that are seemingly a lot worse, right. um, yep. that do that do more damage to society than, than somebody who, you know, who has a different sexual preference than yep. you. And uh, so I think, I think a younger generation is picking up on inconsistencies in our, in our tribe and hypocrisy in our tribe, and, and they're not going to participate if we don't address some of that stuff. Absolutely. That is right on. <laughs> Um, you are here representing a book that you've written called yeah. Four Views on Pastoring LGBTQ Teenagers. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this book is uh, from the Youth Cartel, uh, Marco Stryker and, and Adam McLean. And uh, those guys were, were working on putting this project together uh, about a year ago. And when DCC came out for full inclusion in January, uh, another friend sort of connected me and said, I think uh, you know Nick might be a, a good a good piece to your puzzle for this project. And so this is not a, a theological book. It's not for people trying to argue about how to, how to think about this. It's for youth workers sharing real life, boots on the ground, uh, practices, you know, best practices, I should say, um, things we've learned, questions we're ask, asking, um, how we're actually playing out student ministry in our context and including LGBTQ teenagers. And we know that youth workers are, are largely under-resourced. We know that uh, youth workers uh, across the country are trying to navigate what happens when a teenager comes out in small group for the first time. Or what happens when you know a, a teenager who's, who's trans all of a sudden signs up for winter retreat and you have yeah. to figure out what you're gonna do. And um, so really practical, uh, really hands-on for folks that are doing the ministry in the trenches to be able to share from our experiences and insights. And um, we're hoping that to get it into the hands of as many youth workers and, and people doing ministry with teenagers as possible. That is amazing. No, thank I'm you. really glad that you're part of that and helping make this conversation more available to more people. Yeah, certainly. Awesome. So we'll put a link to this on with this podcast episode yeah, so people th can find it. That'd be great. It's on, it's on sale uh, at the Youth Cartel website. So okay. youthcartel.com. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janelle. This is Janelle, and I'm here with Mary, and she's going to answer our questions and talk to us about her ministry. Do you call it a ministry? Uh, sure. I don't know it what... It doesn't really have a name, but... Yeah, I don't know what to call our, <laughs> ours either, so it's okay. Okay, perfect. Um, so, what is your favorite brew or beverage? Um, I can drink a few margaritas. All right. Uh, especially, you know, Mexican food. <laughs> Take sauce them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How about your favorite theologian? Uh, you know what? I just, I don't have one. I, okay. I have stayed away from reading other people's works, and I do my own study. Okay. So... Anyone you <laughs> anyone you like to to watch or anyone that inspires you? Um, no, I do like Nadia Boltz. Okay, um, I like her passion and I love how she connects with the person. Mm -hmm. um, as far as theology 
I don't know much about what she thinks or whatever, but um, I connect with her connection to the person. Awesome. Um, yeah, but I just prefer, because I was taught what to believe for 40, 50 years, um, I prefer not to read anybody else's work, and I want to study it for myself. I think that's a totally fair response. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. What do you think is one of the biggest issues facing the church today? Well, um, I think they're seeing people leaving the church by lots and lots of numbers. Yeah. So I think um, hopefully it's going to cause people to wake up. Hopefully it's going to cause people to question. Hopefully it's going to cause an awakening. Yeah. Um, so that's what I feel that the church is um, dealing with right now is the mass exodus. Okay. People are waking up. Yep. But as far as um, what the church needs to do, I think it's, it needs... I love what somebody said, and I don't remember who it was. I'm 50 now, <laughs> so I don't have the memory. Um, we need to let go of the Great Commission and um, connect with the Great Commandment. So, yep. And that, I think that uh, personifies my life as well because... My early years was all about the Great Commission, and it really messed up my life. And to connect with the Great Commandment of just love um, and then loving others, loving God, loving others, is where it's at. And yeah. so it's about compassion. All right. And seeing the other person, just as Nadia said this morning so beautifully. Yep. Tell us about the work that you've done um, with helping people in their faith transition. Um, well, because I grew up in a very fundamentalist home, my parents were missionaries with Wycliffe Bible Translators and New Tribes Mission, um, it was very difficult to be gay in that um, family situation. Um, so because in the 80s and 90s, this is when I was struggling with my own sexuality, and when I came to terms with it, I didn't have anybody to talk to. Um, my family was not a safe place. Um, church wasn't a safe place. Other friends were not a safe place. My job was a Christian organization that was not a safe place. Um, what I do now, I think, has come out of that pain. And my biggest thing I want to create for somebody is a safe place. Absolutely. So I do foot reflexology, and in my chair is a sacred place. It's a place of honor and... Um, welcoming the person for where they're at and um, truly hear and listen and participate with the person. Um, so, and then my other passion is because I was led down the wrong path because of what I was taught <laughs> caused so much pain for me. I, I think it was uh, in the early 2000s, I basically took my Bible and a concordance and I just unraveled everything. And I did that for five years, basically. Um, I unraveled different subjects of the hell, rapture, tribulation, homosexuality, all that, and just started studying and just my eyes were opened. Mm -hmm. And what I was learning had nothing to do with what I was taught. Yep. <laughs> yep. So it was um, liberating for myself when I first learned that there wasn't a real hellfire and brimstone, my opinion, um, it totally set me free. 
like completely. So that's one of my passions is just helping people see the metaphor of uh, the flame and brimstone, what that really means, you know, et cetera. That's just one example. But, okay. So I, um, I grew up believing the Bible was literal, and I've come to the place where I see it um, metaphorical, and it's just amazing. It's so beautiful. So I've created these workbooks, one's on the topic of homosexuality, and um, one on the book of Genesis. It's like 186 pages, and it's the book of Genesis is the basis, but I take the um, stories and then unravel it through the rest of Scripture. Okay. Like, for example... Um, when Jacob was resting his head on the stone, um, then we look at all the other passages that deal with the stone all throughout Scripture, and it's just beautiful how it unfolds metaphorically. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's dynamic. It's, it's, the Bible is an incredible book. Um, awesome. And so when people were losing people by the thousands because of the literalism and the damage that that's causing, um, I hope to be able to draw people back to the beautiful metaphors of the Bible, yeah. and which will set people free. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my passion. And these work- workbooks are designed for individuals to do their own study, but also people can photocopy them and make them for groups. Okay. And then they can, yeah, do well, that. How so. would they find those? Do you have a well, website or I email? don't, and if anybody wants to make me a website, <laughs> <laughs> I need somebody to make me a website. Um, but in the process, they can just email me. Okay. Um, my email is m-l-o-k-e-r-s at hotmail.com. So it's m and my last name, Lokers, at hotmail. All right. So, yeah, and so um, I can email those out to whoever for, you know, you can purchase those. Um and then if church leaders want to use them, we can work out a deal for that. So. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Is there um, one thing that comes to mind that you would want to tell someone that is coming out of that background and trying to find their footing again? Mm. I love the two-spirited concept from the Native American culture. Um, I know as an Anglo-Saxon, we're not, we're not supposed to be using that term, two-spirited, but that's the only word I can think of to let people know, like, I'm an androgynous person, don't really fit in the female camp, don't really fit in the male camp, Um, I'm just, I'm in the middle. So it's a very painful place to be, and I know a lot of kids and people are in that position. Um, The concept of, when I learned about the two-spirited Native American culture, um, it actually helps set people free because two-spirited people, and then like the Navajo and Cherokee and all the different Native American cultures, they were honored. They were elevated um, to positions of the healers, the spiritual leaders, the musicians, and they had great worth. And it's sad because in our United States culture, (laughs) transgender people that are intersexed, we really are at the bottom of the barrel, basically. So it's kind of, I love educating people at how special and how honored and, and Telling them the story about the Two-Spirited helps validate people. Awesome. So um, there's a good DVD out there called Two Spirits. Um, so there's resources out there that we can let people know. But just um, we are here to heal the planet. <laughs> okay. When I was a kid, I never wanted to get married. I didn't want to have kids. And um, I wish that somebody educated me and my parents 
that this was a place of honor, like in Matthew 19, 12, where it talks about the eunuch. Some people are born this way, some people are created this way, and some people choose to be this way for the kingdom of God. And it's for a purpose. And I think it's to heal the planet. So if you're out there struggling because you don't fit in, it's probably because you have a high calling to help heal the planet. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. We've been booth mates uh, this weekend. and. So we will um, put a link to uh, Mary's email for you. And if you want any of these resources, you can get get them. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, friends. I'm here with Robert from Freed Hearts. And I'm going to ask him my three little questions. And then he's going to tell us about his ministry. So... uh, what is your favorite brew or beverage? You know, I feel like such a wimp on this because no, no because I'm 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 a fruity guy. I don't okay. I don't like the taste of alcohol per se or beer. So I would say some sort of either flavored brew or a hard cider. All right, we've got some awesome stuff here in Denver. I'm I can sure. connect you up if you need a recommendation. Um, who is your favorite theologian? C.S. Lewis. Lewis. All right. Yeah, C.S. Lewis. Anything in particular? You know the the simplicity of. Um, of the message, I okay. think that it's about love, and it's about being loved and loving, and that and the simplicity of that message was always very appealing to me. All right, and what do you think is the biggest issue facing the church today? I think the biggest issue uh, facing the church today is uh, is exclusion. Okay, and I think it's damaging to our witness. I think it's unchristlike. Mm-hmm. Um, that we choose any group of people for any reason and say, you know what, you're not welcome here. Yeah. And and I think that it's a I think it's a time of reformation, uh, and I think it's a it's it's leading to a time of full complete inclusion. Yeah. And that's that's my That'd hope. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you all the listeners out there that Freed Hearts has had one of the busiest booths <laughs> in here this weekend, and it's because you provide curriculum and support for families mm-hmm. of LGBTQ kids, right? Right. We came out of the evangelical church for 25 years. Okay. We were both leaders, both pastors, and we have five kids. Two of our kids are, are gay, and I will say right now that we do actually love our straight kids um, <laughs> as well. Um, but so... As we started, as we, as our first daughter came out about eight years ago, and we started to talk about this, we struck a, a nerve, struck a chord. Uh, there are a lot of other parents like us who don't have, as part of their denomination, like uh, Reconciling Ministries in the Methodist Church or More Light and Presbyterian, who are evangelical, non-denominational, uh, who know where to go mm-hmm. when their child comes out. Yeah. And it's not even safe to raise your hand and say, uh, question, <laughs> you know, yeah. or you're outed and your child's outed and then all, all hell breaks loose, so yep. to speak. Um, so we struck a nerve and we started to grow and grow and grow. So what, what we do um, now is fully affirming parents, and we say we affirm because of our faith, not in spite of it. Uh, it's because of Jesus, because of Scripture, that I'm fully affirming, yeah. uh, not in spite of all that. But we work with uh, primarily other faith parents to help them uh, learn how to to fully accept and affirm their child and actually strengthen their faith in the process. We work with their gay kids and others in, in the LGBT community um, to help heal shame mm-hmm. from religious wounds, family wounds, community wounds, yep. internalized homophobia, all those kind of things, to just, re, to just almost re- remember God's love for you, your love for you, because um, everyone deserves to, to be loved. 
Absolutely. Well. And then we work within the church to help um, to help those who are interested in uh, in how to be more lavishly Christ-like inclusive. Awesome. Uh, do you have a word of encouragement to parents that may be going through this right now? Absolutely. Um, you know, we deal. We have. We have. Of course, printed material, and we have filmed content, video content, and we do live events, and then we have online support groups awesome. for those are private secret groups for thousands of moms and dads. And so we deal with moms and dads every day, all awesome. day. And um, the most common piece of advice that I give to other parents is: if you're going to err, err on the side of love and trust God with everything else. If you decide, if your child has recently come out or you're struggling with this, if you decide in five or ten years that you want to not accept this and reject this, that's okay. That's your right. You're the parent. You can do that. But if you do that now and decide in five or ten years you want to love and affirm that child and who they are, to be honest with you, you may not have a child left to do that. Yep. Either they're unwilling or worse. So we say we trust God. We say God's a big God. So do we trust God enough to simply love and include our, our child and trust God with everything else? You'll, a parent will never regret that, ever. Awesome. So. Thank you so you're much welcome. for talking with us. My pleasure. Um, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. Well, and thank thanks. Thank you for being present for these families and children. Well, you're welcome. Thanks. All right, thank you. All right. Hi, I'm here with Susan with Freed Hearts, and we just talked to her husband, Robert. Yes. And so I'm going to ask her some questions and let her talk about this ministry as well, because I think it's so critical and important to the work that needs to be done. Thank um, you. So what is your favorite brew or beverage? Oh, my goodness. If we're talking brew implies alcoholic, I yeah. would say wine, red wine. Okay, red wine. Yes. Okay, do you have a favorite brand or bottle? No. <laughs> <laughs> All of it's good. Yes. All right. Um, and hot tea. That okay. is my beverage of choice. Well, we just so happen to have a tea and coffee logo as well, so we're all awesome. for tea. <laughs> okay. Um, who is your favorite theologian? Right now, I'd say Richard Rohr. All right. He's, yeah. He is the number one winner yes. on these interviews today. Yes. So everyone loves him. Yes. And, um, and Brene Brown. <laughs> yeah. She is fantastic. Uh -huh. We've actually done a curriculum piece on her and talked about vulnerability oh, wow. and the 10 gifts. Nice. So she's nice. part of our dynamic at Brew Theology. Yes. Um, what do you think is the biggest issue facing the world, the church today? Broken community. Okay. Lack of community, polarization, not loving each other, yeah. not even tolerating each other. That is a huge one yeah. that we're all facing. Yeah. Um, it's the foundation of everything, the lack of community. Yeah. So how do you feel that your ministry helps with that? Oh, well, we help parents embrace their LGBTQ kids and to set aside whatever difference they may have and love their kids well. Yeah. And we help bring community to LGBT who have been uh, broken from their community, who've been uh, shunned yeah. and rejected. Yeah, and we bring community to the church that's willing to embrace the way Jesus embraces. Yeah. yeah. What do you what is one of your favorite resources that you provide people? Mom I'm gay is really popular. Okay. It's, it's it stands down, you know, the the typical things that come up for parents like um, what did I do to cause this? Oh no, how can I change this? You know, those various things it it calms their fears. 
and lets them know you're okay. Mm-hmm. God is still here. Your child is good. You can love them. You can work out the theology, but you can still love and embrace your child. And and God is with you in this. That's the book, Mom, I'm Gay. Wow. And it's also a video course. Okay. Yeah. So you find that parents have huge amounts of conflicts as they go through this as well. And they didn't dream it up. They were conditioned that way in the church culture that has conditioned them to be very afraid of this and not to expect it and to think that they can parent in such a way that this will never happen in their family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the other great resource I want to tell you is True Colors. It's celebrating the truth and beauty of the real you, and it is a deeply healing workbook for the LGBTQ community to heal from their internalized shame and homophobia of themselves that they got from church and family and community. Wow. Yeah. That's great. It's really powerful. We get, we get words back all the time that it's really powerful. That's so good. And there's a video course that goes with that, too. Okay. And can you just, what word of encouragement do you have for our listeners if they're in the middle of either supporting their children or if they're LGBTQ and and processing through that? God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you because God is love Mm -hmm. and created you to be loved. And you deserve to be loved. You were designed to be loved. And you get to go out and have love and there is community that will love you you get to find it and you know come to us we'll we'll connect you with community um, because that's that's the bottom line of it all you're enough and you deserve to be loved that is awesome thank you so much for joining me and i'm so glad we got to meet across the aisle here in the exhibit hall my pleasure you're welcome this is janelle and i'm here with carmine and caitlin and they're going to answer our special questions so what is your favorite brew or beverage? I like a dark beer. Okay. The more it tastes like bread, the better. The better. All right. And I generally like fruity beers, but my favorite is Left Hand Brewing's Good Juju, which is a ginger beer. Ooh, mm. sounds amazing. All right. Who are your favorite? The- who's your favorite theologian? N.T. Wright or James Cone. Okay. Good and choices. C.S. Lewis says he's not a theologian, but he's still my favorite. <laughs> he kind of is. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. And then um, what do you think is the biggest issue facing the church today? I think looking at changing sort of our perspective of looking at people as projects or people that we need to convert and moving more towards being an active participants in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and being an active part of the reconciliation work that God is doing as like the focus of the church. Do you read N.T. Wright? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add? Or um, I guess from being at the conference, just learning more about listening and how the church needs to listen and um, not necessarily be the first to talk. Awesome. I love that. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me on the mic. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. This is Janelle, and I'm here with Amelia and Darren, who I hung out with at Theology Beer Camp last year in L.A. on this weekend. <laughs> How cool is that? Yes. So I'm going to ask you both, uh, what is your favorite brew or beverage? I love a good sour or goza. Ooh, go to mm. Black Project if you've got time. Mm. I might need the to do that. The best sours in the city. <gasps> Black Project. Black Project. Right. There's, right. there's something really sexy about that. Um, and mine would be a triple. Just love a good Belgian. 
Belgian, okay. Yeah, Belgian triple. Then you want to go to Fort Collins and do the new Belgian tour. I probably do, but I also went to Destig and they are on it. They are very good. Yes. They're so good. They're really good. <laughs> so we have all the beer here, not to brag or anything, but. Literally all I've the beer. I've heard that rumor. <laughs> Literally. So who are your favorite or cur- current theology crushes? That's a great question. That's a great way to put it. Theology crush. Yes. Because maybe it's fleeting. I don't know. Yes. Sometimes it is. (laughs) Uh, I, over the last year, was introduced to Asian feminist theology. And so the last couple books I've read were by Dr. Grace Ji Sung Kim and then another Mm. by Dr. Kwok Puylon. So theology crushing. Mm-hmm. That direction. All right. Very much so. Sounds awesome. Mine is very circumstantial, but also like long term, you know, last year I discovered Megan DeFranza and her work on intersex Christians. Okay. And I just heard her talk again, so my love for her has been rekindled. <laughs> and I'm also reading her in my sexuality and ethics class. So like we're just have a lot of Megan in my life. I think so. And I'm not mad about it. Um, Me that's either. good. Yeah. So that's where we are. Awesome. Yeah. So just a little question I have to ask you. What do you think is the biggest issue facing the church today? <clears throat> <laughs> She's she, turning away from the She mic. flipped her hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm way too thinking about so Top many different three. directions. Top three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, because I think the church the church, speaking from like a U.S. context, has failed to uh, include and think through um, like the global theological voice, and because of that, um, decline is kind of inevitable. But more than that, um, I think people are hurting. Yeah. And so um, at, those two things are connected, and as a result, I would say one of the biggest problems facing the church is this continued disconnect between like what our theology is and how it plays out uh, in the lives and on the bodies of people who are not us. That mm. is awesome. It's really good. You're up. I can't follow that. Yes, you can. Are you sure? Um, you there's just so... I know I did. Now I'm going to eat candy. Yeah, eat candy. Eat your feelings. Um, I will. Um, I, what's coming to mind in this instance... It's similar, but it's this uh, hyper-individualism, I think, which disallows us from understanding unique perspectives, such as other global voices, when you're so focused on your own individual uh, freedoms and rights and all these kinds of things, we actually neglect that there's a larger conversation happening in the world. And so I think that's a root of why people don't like to look into understanding patriarchy or racism because yeah. they're like, it's actually, it was about me all along, so I don't have to deal with these other larger conversations. So I think individual, hyper-individualism is keeping people from engaging other really important systemic conversations. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So this is Janelle. I'm here with Lisa, and uh, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite brew or beverage? My favorite brew, um, probably anything by Southern Tier, which is um, a company out of Pittsburgh, and I love everything they do in for sours, because I just don't like sours. You know, okay, understood. It is Southern Tier. Which one? Which Southern Tier? My absolute favorite Southern Tier, cinnamon roll. It oh. tastes just like a Cinnabon cinnamon roll. That sounds amazing. It's awesome. All right. 
What's been your favorite thing you've been doing in Denver while you're here? Eating. <laughs> I am a foodie. I have eaten probably at about 10 different restaurants in the last three days. Oh, my god! Because I go and I eat a little bit. Like, I go this place and get an appetizer. I go this place and get an entree. And I go this place and get dessert. So I'm, like, tasting everything that I can get to. That is awesome. I need to try that more often. Yeah, no, I'm a foodie. I Definitely. What do you think is the biggest issue facing the church right now? I think the biggest issue facing the church right now is the separation of church and state. I don't think enough churches actually separated. There is more churches that's in, in, incorporating it into it, having people run um, for offices and then having them come in and speak in the church. That is not a separation. That is putting your beliefs right there and wanting your whole church to follow it. I think that that is one of the biggest problems that we have right now, especially in the South where I'm from. All right. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Thank All right. you. Thanks for joining. So I'm here with Kevin and Suzanne, and I'm going to ask you both, what is your favorite brew or beverage? Okay. My favorite brew, um, well, right now is a green chili ale by, I don't know, the brewery. Mm -hmm. Down in New Mexico? I don't know. I got it at 5280 Burger Bar. All right. It's good. Yeah, I've had a green chili ale. Awesome. My favorite beverage is water, and here in Denver, Colorado, they have some exceptional tap water. <laughs> my favorite it's brew. True. My yeah, it is my my favorite brew. I would say I prefer um, smooth red ales, maybe mm. some Irish uh, stouts. Uh, so oh, yeah. they're back in Indianapolis. We have a, a beer called the Wee Mac. Okay. Um, and then there's another take on that, which they call the Wee Muckle. And those are fantastic <laughs> Irish Irish stouts. Cool. Um, then, and, yeah, and Red Ales. So I'm a fan of those. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I would drink the Wee Muckle just because of the name. So. <laughs> it's so, so pretty tasty. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about your favorite theologians? Okay. Um, the ones that come to mind right now are Walter Brueggemann um, and uh, Wilda Gaffney. Will Gaffney. Uh, who, she's on Twitter, and she's great on Twitter, but she also is a... Um, she just came out with a book called Womanist Midrash, which I've been reading. So, she's awesome. All right, cool. The first name that came to my mind, and I'm having a hard time coming up with a second, so it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer okay. all the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then I think of Paul Tillich, too, as well. So, all right. but, uh, I'm going to start with Bonhoeffer. He's my man. All right, sounds great. And then, that. what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the church in the world today? Uh, and you can, if you have to pick multiples, I'll give you a little leeway. Climate change. No, well, I mean, I, I said that as a joke, but it's also real. But um, it's facing us all in the world today. That was kind of a joke yeah. answer, but no, yeah, it's fair. I come from a mainline denomination, so we're seeing struggle and decline, and it's so unfortunate that you know church just doesn't seem real. The experiences that we're providing for individuals. Like, all the people that come into those churches, they bring what is happening in the world with them. They bring climate change. They bring social justice issues. Mm -hmm. They bring the LGBT community. I mean, they bring their politics. They bring, you know, clean water. They, all these different things yeah. are brought into their sanctuaries every single Sunday. And as a church, are we listening to what is going on in the world? Are we relevant? That's my biggest concern. Is the church relevant in the world today? And if we're not, like then of course the world has no use for us you know so we need to make the church relevant again because again as a mainline denomination i'm sorry to see it decline mm -hmm. but there's a movement too that's going on and i'm yeah. very excited about non-denominational i'm excited about what's happening with some of the episcopalians i am really excited about what is happening when people see that there's still something that they can hold on to and grab onto in the church be it through the sacraments uh, or be it through a church that takes up social justice issues. But, you know, there's hope. There's always redemption and hope. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you. 
So I'm here with Will and Casey, and uh, I'm going to ask them our fun questions for the day. What is your favorite brew or beverage? Uh, brew right now, I really like um, Dogfish Head. Okay. Yep. And then, uh, but overall, I think my go-to drink is probably like uh, rum and coke, whiskey oh, and coke. Nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hands down, Live Oak Hefeweizen out of Austin. Okay. Yeah. Very specific. Favorite one, absolutely. All right. Uh, what, who's your favorite theologian? Take that one first. Um, I don't know if he counts as a theologian, but I've been really enjoying Christian Wyman lately. He's a okay. Christian poet, and he thinks very deeply uh, about his theology and his life. And um, I think he grew up, he had a period where he was atheist, and then he came back to the church, and then he got cancer and was fairly confident he was about to die. And he just he wrote so much about what it meant just to be human and coming to terms with um, things not working out the way you think it was going to be. Um, not being the perfect Christian, it, it just yeah. sort of resonates entirely with me and coming from where we are right now. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I'm going to go a bit lighter and just say C.S. Lewis because Narnia okay. and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> good choice. Have you read Till We Have Faces? No, I really need to. Uh, it's it, it's a little heavier than Narnia, yeah. so, but it's awesome. So All right. good. Definitely in my pocket. And uh, so what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the church today? I'll start off. I think, personally, the biggest challenge facing the church today is just regaining trust that's been lost. And a lot of that has to do with human choices and human interaction where they've kind of taken something and probably perverted it past the point of trust. And so how do you regain that trust? So like authenticity, transparency, those kind of things. Without coming across as like, you know, a cringe factor. Yes. I think just uh, bringing around to things that I've been dealing with, especially and that probably a lot of people have, is uh, doubt. Mm-hmm. In that I grew up in a tradition that knew exactly what it believed. There were very specific rules. I don't live by them anymore. It became impossible to. And as a result, I became agnostic. And I've been fighting just to retain agnosticism, uh, much less being a Christian. I think finding a place in the church to to have those doubts, to say, I want to believe, I want to have that faith back again, but right now I don't, is important. I think it's something this morning Nadia Boltzweber, Weber, during her uh, beatitude to us, the very first one she said was, blessed are the agnostics, and I just started bawling. Because I wasn't expecting that at all, yeah. and it's exactly what I needed to hear. Awesome. So much Thank for you your vulnerability and authenticity and talking with me today. Appreciate it. You're welcome.